Africa Business Report on The Money Show. We're seeing lots of terror attacks happening in uh, Kenya. We're seeing lots of kidnappings happening, Boko Haram kidnappings happening in Nigeria. People are emboldened by the huge huge inroads being made in places like Iraq by ISIS. And we are seeing a a resurgence of terror activity in parts of the African continent. Uh, And I want to talk to Victor Khomaswana about that this evening. But first, Victor, before we... uh, before we talk about that and the other issues of the day, you are possibly the most diplomatic individual I know. So I want to hear how you're going to whittle and wheedle your way out of this particular one. And it's all about the question of visa regulations. Have we as South Africa shot ourselves in the foot in terms of tourism, in terms of doing business easily on the continent by making it more difficult for people to come and do business with us through our visa requirements? the time I won't be diplomatic because I experienced that firsthand with my son traveling to Europe and, and it was so irritating to get to have to supply an unabridged birth certificate. That's, that's just for an under 18 year old who has to produce a certificate stating their parents. But then I thought about it and said, if I consider how much child trafficking is happening or human trafficking is happening around the world, perhaps South Africa was far behind in not having those requirements. The problem is, of course, if you require and you set a very short deadline, but I think the Department of Home Affairs extended that deadline to September. They have, but you're dodging the question, Victor, and that is doing business on the African continent and making it more difficult to do so with stringent visa requirements. Yes, but Bruce, you you, you are damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. With what is happening with, with the white widow in Kenya, with you have to know who's coming in and out of your borders. Of course, if you are looking for skilled Africans to come onto the, onto, onto the South African economy, you should be much more lenient because these are people that you have in short supply. But I don't think there's a straightforward answer, unfortunately. The, the movement with, with global terrorism being what it is, is just not going to be easier. It's going to get harder before it gets easier. If I'm a member of Boko Haram, I'm not necessarily going to go through a border post with a visa application stamped into my passport, though, Victor. I'm going to find a nice shallow river to swim Oh, across. you'll be surprised. You'll yeah. be surprised how 9-11 happened with people just going in legitimately into the U.S. and then... The, U- the U.S.'s anyway. borders are kind of harder to, pe- pe- to penetrate than our own, though, Victor. It is, but, but it's, it's a much bigger economy. But what I'm saying, Bruce, is I don't like having restrictions on people traveling if they are doing business. But the question is, how do you know who is going to do legitimate business once they're inside your borders. The, the minute you can have a uniform system that keeps out everyone who shouldn't be in, the, the better. But it's difficult. You're going to upset someone because in the end, you're not going to know. The idea of a system of controlling of movement of border posts is that you should know who's in and out of your country. And it's almost hard to tell. But ne- next, next time you go to Kenya, though, Victor, you're going to have to organize it beforehand. Up until yeah, now, that, you've been that, able that to arrive me. at Jomo Kenyatta, <laughs> and you've been able to say, hello, I'm from South Africa. They say, welcome, Victor. Yeah. You're that famous author and radio personality. <laughs> Here's a stamp in your passport. Come and do business with us, please. Yeah, that, that one upset me a bit. But again, if you are Kenya and you're having all the explosions happening, maybe you should watch. Remember, there was a South African connection to the Westgate shopping mall, that, that, that terror attack on the, at, the, at the shopping mall that happened last year. Again, it's just one of those things. You are going to upset someone, especially the well-meaning travelers, because those don't have anything to worry about. But unfortunately, you get, you get lumped with everybody else they don't know. So, yeah, there you have it. There we do. And, I mean, this, this issue around terror attacks, they seem to be happening with increased frequency. What that's, what's that doing to business sentiment in both particularly Kenya and in Nigeria right now? It, it, it affects 
tell you it affects business travel in the short term. I have experienced it first then, especially with Mombasa, where I had to postpone my travel. But in the, in the long term, I think Kenya has established itself. So it's not going to be knocked off the perch as, as East African top economy. But in the short term, yes, they will be losing here and there. But, and that's why I suppose they are intensifying their fight against Al, Al-Shabaab, because they should. It's not, but again, I reiterate, it's not a Kenyan problem. It's an African problem. It's a world problem. Because the people going there causing trouble are disrupting world trade, not just Kenyan tourism. I mean, it, what's been interesting in the last couple of weeks is to see how Iran is going from country and persona non grata to back to part of the real world once again. The British reopening their embassy there uh, and grace, great, g- gradually accepting Iran back into the international diplomatic fold. The Iranians, in turn, starting to look for investment opportunities yeah. and looking at Nigeria's power sector. I didn't know that they have 70,000 megawatts for 74 million people. So... <laughs> they are clinching all kinds of deals with the Nigerians to develop the nation's power sector. I know firsthand how Nigeria needs to boost its power supply, but I, I didn't know where they would be looking, and I at least expected them to go to Iran. But that just shows you that when we say Africa is open for business, if you have something to offer the continent, it is open for you. There will be one country or another that has a backlog that you can help them to plug. And there you have Nigerians looking to the Iranians to do that. Not only Iranians they are looking at because Chinese are in, the Indians are looking at the same thing. So power sector in Nigeria, one of the biggest drivers of taking them to even higher heights, I mean higher levels of, of development. But I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued that the Iranians are among the, those countries that are, are jostling to get in on this action. Yeah, very sneaky is our Victor Khomiswana managing to get his book title Africa is open to business, uh, open for business into into the answer of the question. But certainly in northern Nigeria, open for agriculture, and, and there's a lot of investment going into that northern uh, Nigeria region, going into particularly the agricultural sector. It, it is, is a poor part of the country. It is yeah. underdeveloped, and it is fertile breeding ground for groups like Boko Haram, for example. Yeah, and, and it's four hundred ninety-five million dollars that has been approved only by the world. I mean, by the World Bank alone. It's a lot of money because the government of Nigeria has actively said we have been an agricultural economy before. Let's get back there. This project, Bruce, is particularly called Transforming Irrigation Management in Nigeria, which you could read to mean modernize it, get the technology to get the irrigation on about 27,000 hectares going. So I'm, I'm happy. 140,000 farmers expected to benefit here, but I, I'm glad that the World Bank is leading. Remember, the World Bank doesn't rank Nigeria the highest among its countries on their ease of doing business. But it just shows you that you need the global multilateralism and collaboration in getting the country going. But everything that says Niger- that helps Nigeria diversify its economy is a plus for me, and I like to see a story like this one. A big focus on Nigeria tonight. It is the continent's biggest economy after all. America used to be its most important oil consumer, and that's shifted not to China, I'm, I'm told, but to India. I'm told, yeah, it's India. I, again, I never imagined India on the east, Nigeria out in the west. But yeah, the largest crude... They say 250,000, and that's what India is saying, 250,000 barrels per day of the country's crude oil. So it is 30% of Nigeria's daily crude production, and that's a lot if if you think about the fact that Nigeria is 
five or so million barrels per day at its best. But yeah, I'm 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 grateful if if Nigeria doesn't depend if the U.S. didn't want to depend on one country for its oil, maybe Nigeria should also not depend on one buyer of its oil for that. And but I just never imagined that India could be the one that replaces that. I would understand a European country, but India, I don't know. But again, it's just the world trade opening and showing you that anything can happen as long as you've got the right level of economic diplomacy. You can go out and cut a deal for your for your economy anyway. I, I can solve Malawi's export problems. All they've got to do is produce a lot more Malawi gin than they have been up until now and export Malawi gin. They've got one customer in this studio. I know that you, your body is your temple and you don't drink, uh, Victor, uh, but I'll have yours. Um, they're looking very seriously at expanding their capacity to produce uh, goods for export. Malawi yeah. gin is one of the finest that they do produce. At least they are an agricultural economy. That they have always been. Very hardworking people, Malawians. And they have all sorts of crops because from cotton to tea to tobacco, coffee, groundnuts. So what the president is doing, the new president, Professor Arthur Peter Mutarika, saying, he just realizes that we are exporting as it is. The problem is not that we are not exporting. The problem is that we are not exporting value-added. Music to my ears when I hear an African president do that. Whether or not he will attract the right level of investment to beneficiate and add value to his agricultural produce, I do not know. But he was talking at a, the 26th Malawi International Trade Fair in Blantyre. 200 local business people coming in there. Four international companies interested. So perhaps something will come out of this. Good that he's saying it now at the start of his term. We will see when he gets to the end of the term whether he would have achieved that. But beneficiation and agro-processing is the way Africa is going to get more value-adding jobs into the economy.